0: That's 888 Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's
1: edition of Sports Talk. Good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network on this Talking Tuesday. Running out of Talking Tuesdays, to be quite honest with you, for this football season, so you better enjoy them while we got them. Phil Cornblue, Pat Daniel, here in downtown Columbia, Coming to you from the Dave and Buster's studio, beautiful place to be. Chris Burger going to be joining us from the Bergie Palace in the PD coming up in just a little bit. And our phone number, 888-898-2525, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you to reach us here on Sports Talk. I was up at Clemson today. Beautiful ride to the upstate. Weather turned out to be just gorgeous. Temperature was excellent. Would rather have been on the golf course. But instead, I had to listen to uh, 49 minutes of uh, Dabo Sweeney. So we'll be playing all 49 minutes of Dabo here. No, just kidding. I guess I could start it and play all 49 minutes. I could go get uh, an early dinner and come back and it'll still be going. Uh, Dabo Sweeney getting Clemson ready for... The game against uh, Notre Dame on Saturday night up in uh, South Bend at Notre Dame Stadium. Played there in 2020 in front of very few fans because of COVID. Got beat, turned around, got their revenge in the ACC championship game in December in Charlotte. Now they meet again, and the Tigers taking a 14-game winning streak into this one. You worry about streaking teams and Notre Dame in their sports, right? Notre Dame was the team that broke Oklahoma's long winning streak back in the day, back in '40, was that '47? I think it was way back '40s or '50s. They broke that streak. Of course, UCLA basketball's 88-game winning streak came to an end at Notre Dame. So you know you got to be careful with Notre Dame, the Irish, the luck of the Irish, et cetera. And um, things do come to an end there in South Bend. Uh, Of course, Notre Dame's got a little streak going as well. They haven't lost in, uh, what, 28 regular season ACC games, I think it is, going back to 2018. Uh, So they got a little streak going as well, and Clemson can be a streak buster too. So looking forward to that ball game. Should be a heck of a game. Dabo Sweeney talked a lot today about the running game at Notre Dame, how it's very, very good, how they've got to be very careful to make sure that they've got their run fits right on defense and they're playing good defense. And they do have a backup quarterback in Pine, who was a pretty good quarterback coming out of high school, a guy that uh, was, you know, I think he was kind of a nationally elite uh, quarterback. And now he's the starting quarterback due to injury. Of course, Michael Meyer is the guy that uh, you have to be really worried about. or one of the players you have to be really worried about at Notre Dame, he's sort of a, well, I'd say he is a, a Jaheim Bell type player, but Jaheim Bell didn't touch the ball last week. <laughs> I don't want to put that on him. But he's a Swiss Army Knife kind of player. They move him around. They get the, they give him the ball in all kind of different ways, and, and they do get the ball to him. So uh, you got to keep a uh, watch out for uh, that individual as well. Key player there for Notre Dame. He thinks their defense is excellent. He thinks their special teams are really good. They block punch. They've blocked punch like Clemson's blocked punch this year. So – We'll see what kind of team uh, Clemson puts on the field up at Notre Dame on Saturday. DJ Uyangale Sweeney says he has full confidence in him, expecting him to bounce back from what he just termed a poor performance. He, he says everybody has a bad day, and he thought Uyonglele had a bad day against Syracuse. That's why he pulled him. But he is still the number one quarterback, and they're fully confident that he is going to be able to play and play well against Notre Dame. He played fantastic, remember, against Notre Dame in 2020 in that overtime loss. But then again, there was no tape on him, really. He had played against Boston College, and now all of a sudden he's starting against Notre Dame because Trevor Lawrence has COVID, and um, they didn't know what to expect. Heck, you didn't know what to expect, if you're a Clemson fan. What'd you know? What'd you know from DJU? You didn't know what you are going to get. All you had was reputation. All you had was star rating. And the guy goes out and throws for, what, 430 yards? Remember, Clemson had a guy named Amari Rogers who was pretty good, and he was big in that game. Ten catches, about 130 yards. Uh, He's not there anymore. Um, So, one thing they talked about today was getting the ball to Bo Collins. Bo Collins hasn't had many touches last couple of games. (gasps) Fire the offensive coordinator. You got a key player not touching the football. Fire the offensive coordinator. Isn't that what you do? As for the Gamecocks, It's really funny reading some of the stuff that's out there. By the way, kudos to the state newspaper for killing a growing rumor that USC was planning to purchase the state fairgrounds across the street from the stadium and turn it into uh, some kind of multi-purpose piece of property tied into the football stadium. Uh, Some people on the message boards, and I'd seen the stories, too. This one guy in particular, he absolutely absolutely swore that this was happening. He had it on great authority. He had legislative contacts. He had political contacts. He had university contacts. He told the people reading his garbage, this was happening. It was going to be like what they have for the Braves in Atlanta. It was going to be like the battery. It was going to have a hotel, and it was going to have amusements, and it was going to have stores and restaurants, and it was going to be connected to the stadium, and this was happening, and it's happening soon. No, it's not happening. According to the story in the state, and they contacted USC officials, they contacted political officials, they contacted fair officials, the fairgrounds. Is that singular or plural? That property is not for sale. It's not being sold. It's not being bought by the university. It's not being converted into anything other than what it is, which is the state fairgrounds, okay? Now, the university is looking at doing some other developments around Williams-Brice Stadium, but not that, according to that story. But on to USC and the ongoing saga, and, and, and kudos. I'm doing a lot of kudoing, aren't I? Kudos to USC today, and Pat, you're over there. I'll let you chime in. They brought out Jaheen Bell front and center to talk with the media today. You know, the guy who has been um, talked about a lot since Saturday because he's not getting the football. And then his mom goes out on Twitter and blasts away. And his uncle goes out on Twitter and and blasts away. You know, most places would, would, would hide a guy like that, you know, scared of what he might say, scared of the kind of questions that he might get. No, they made him part of the, the player availability today. So kudos to South Carolina for doing that. And and he didn't say a whole lot. A couple of things he kept repeating. I try to practice like a pro. I'm just trying to practice like a pro. And he didn't criticize anybody. He didn't take shots at anybody. He did say that he was, you know, bothered because he didn't touch the ball against Missouri and I don't know that he really understands why that was the case, but his thing was, I'm just going out and working and practicing and trying to practice like a pro to get ready for the next game. That's how he put it. He said, it's on the Vanderbilt Missouri's behind him. Now he's on to Vanderbilt. Don't be shocked if he doesn't touch the ball 20 times against Vanderbilt. (laughs) I mean, seriously, you know how people are, you know how they're going to react. Okay. For some reason they slotted this guy. They didn't get the ball to him for whatever reason. Maybe it was his fault. Maybe it was their fault. Maybe it was uh, Burgie's fault. Maybe it was Pat's fault. Maybe it was my fault he didn't get the ball. You know, maybe it was the Pope's fault. Maybe it was the president's fault. Maybe it was Trump's fault. For some reason, he didn't get the football. I guarantee you, Burgie, he'll touch it 20 times. He'll, he's going to touch it so much his tongue's going to be hanging by the end of the night in Nashville. Now we're having a problem with Burgie's connection tonight. He's dropped out. He will be getting the ball a lot. I, I would rest assured about that against Vanderbilt. And why shouldn't he? You know Vanderbilt's got one of the worst defenses in the country. So here you go again, South Carolina. You got a chance to. You got a chance to post a big number. You got a chance to post a big number offensively here against um, Vanderbilt because they're really even though they only gave up what 17 points to Missouri in that loss, for the whole season uh, they have struggled defensively, giving up a lot of points. So chance for the Gamecock offense to do some good things. We'll see if they can uh, rise to the occasion. Um, uh, and, and uh, we'll hear from uh, Shane Beamer tonight and we'll hear from, uh, Dabo Sweeney tonight and Carrie Tharp tonight here on sports talk. Can't wait to hear. Can't wait to hear what KT's got to say about, about, um, Ross Chastain. I got a name for it now. I got a name for that move. You want to know my name? I'm going to wait till Burgie's with us. He'll be with us shortly once we get him connected. I do have a nickname now for that move that Ross Chastain did at uh, Martinsville on Sunday. Uh, we'll save that for you coming up. Uh, we got recruiting as well. And, you know, right now we got time for your phone calls. So we'll clear the air, clear the lines, and get to your phone calls. The number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number here on Sports Talk. And since 2002, more than $999 million in lottery proceeds have been used to support K-12 programs in South Carolina. Learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash wins. And playing for fun is a win for education. And, of course, we're coming to you from the Dave & Buster studio here in downtown Columbia. Be sure tonight, eat, drink, and play and catch the, uh, the World Series and catch the NBA tonight, games all season long at Dave & Buster's. Let me give you the locations. Just so you know, up in Greenville, we want you to get over to 1025 Woodruff road. Say hello to our man, Robert there in Columbia at Columbiana circle. That's 100 Columbiana circle. That's out in the Harbison area. Duran is the head honch and our buddy, Steve at Broadway at the beach, 1322 celebrity circle. So please go by and say hello, enjoy yourself. Have a great meal, take the kids, have fun playing the games there. Enjoy the games on the big screens. Those places. The Dave & Busters, they are amazing, amazing establishments. You'll have a blast, and you'll have a a great meal. So we'll hit the break, and when we come back, we'll go ahead and get into your phone calls. We'll hear from the coaches coming up tonight, a little bit about what they had to say. Everything they had to say is already on our website, sportstalksc.com, and they'll be up in podcast form a little bit later on as well. So that's what we've got coming up tonight. The coaches, Kerry Tharp, recruiting, your phone calls, We will step right into it when we come back. Don't go away.
2: I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at jim at jim When the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues, some other business causes your business to lose money, jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job, jim at jim
0: Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef, it's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program.
2: Thank you. Thank you for world traveling rocket scientists, for tires bigger than your grandma's house, for 3D printing research, for artists in residency. Thank you for all the things that take us to the next level. Thank you for playing the lottery, for funding scholarships, for funding grants, for funding innovation in this state. Thank you, the South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win.
1: Don't forget to vote in our poll question on our Twitter at sportstalksc.com. So, some of you Gamecock fans want a change in the play callers. You're not getting it, but you want it. That's okay. It's okay to want for things that you're not going to get. There's things that I want. I want a Rolls Royce. I'm not going to get it. You know, I want to replace Tom Brady over there with Westerface, but I'm not going to have that happen. So, you're not going to get your wish. At least not now, and who knows if you will. But, let's just... Let's just play if Marcus Satterfield was not the play caller at South Carolina. who would you want calling the plays? You got as your opportunities here. Shane Beamer, the head coach, Justin Stepp, the receiver's coach, Freddie Kitchens, who is a analyst for the offense, and Gamecock Larry, who you know is an expert as you well know, you listen to this show. 49% want Freddie Kitchens would vote Freddie Kitchens. 24, I love this, 24.9% would vote Gamecock Larry. I mean, that's just, that tells you everything you need to know about this question. Justin Step at 20.3. Only 5.5% want the head coach, Shane Beamer, calling his own plays for his own team. I find that a bit to be on the uh, on the odd side right there. Uh, don't forget to vote. Uh, that's how many votes, 365 votes are in since uh, yesterday, so go ahead and make sure you get over to the, Twitter page and vote on that. Triple Eight 898-2525. Let's get to your phone calls. Love to hear what you have to say uh, tonight. And as soon as we get Chris squared away, we will uh bring him on the air so he can uh he can uh tell us why he's mad. No. He said we had him on a moment ago off air, and you said, Hey, don't don't blame me for anything going on over there. Let's go to Bobby in uh, West Columbia. Casey, I'm sorry, Casey, not West Columbia. Bobby? How are you? Welcome in.
3: What's doing, Phil? How you been doing? How you
1: doing, sir? Good to hear from you.
3: Doing well. Hey, hey, I got a 1.2 billion reasons to smile tonight. When you say advertise the Powerball, you didn't say the LaGrand Jackpot's of 1.2 billion for Wednesday night Oh my! at 11. Oh my. What's wrong with you, Phil? Are you going to win it? Are you telling me you're going to win it? I don't know, man. I can't. I'm. I can't let everyone know where I am and what I'm doing after I win it, Phil. I might never talk to you again. Well, I I, I, might not. Would you give me? Would you give me at least a million if you win it? I'd give your new granddaddy a million so he can invest it in his college education. (laughs) See, Powerball education.
1: Well, the five twenty nine plan. You can put it right in the five twenty nine plan. The treasurer would appreciate it.
3: Yes, sir. Okay, got the news for the day in the SEC. The injury is. Nolan Smith, Georgia's line, linebacker, starting outside linebacker is gone for the year with a torn pec muscle. Ooh. I sent you that piece early today. That it's is not good pieces. for them. Not good for them. It's, you want it's 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 Pete Thamel. It's on his Twitter page. It's also on Daniel Shirley's and a, a few others had it out. Um, another thing. Um, let's see. Yesterday I tried to get on. You're very busy for Monday. Everybody crying about, about the whole play calling at South Carolina. Interesting. Rick helped me with his name. Scaramello, Scargello. Uh, coach Stoops fired him after the butt kicking they took from Tennessee on Sunday or Monday. Coach Stoops at Kentucky fired his offensive coordinator.
1: I had not seen that.
3: I, I forget why I saw it but it's on the usual su- suspects. It could be, you know, McMurphy. He just hired Murphy. him.
1: He just hired him.
3: Yeah, he left the NFL to come to that job.
1: Are you sure? Someone, let, me, let me do a quick well, search here.
3: Go, go to go to Thamel, SEC, Kentucky Mike, football offensive
1: Bratton. coordinator, Josh Heupel. My, Colts fired their offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady. Um, no,
3: no, that's Kentucky. I think Colts no, no not have fired I'm, I could be wrong. No,
1: I think you're wrong. I don't see anything here about that. They fired Eddie oh, yeah. Grand two years ago as his offensive coordinator. That's yeah. the only thing I'm seeing. Doing a Google search for Kentucky fires offensive coordinator, nothing comes up along those lines.
3: That's why I'd be surprised. Just I got this, you,
1: you, you got some bad, you. you got some bad info there.
3: I think it was from the other station. I listened to part, parts of the day. Yeah, you know, well, been, I mean, you
1: you know that's what you get. I mean, do
3: you're do you're the dean. Face it, Bill. You're the dean. You're the you're the dean. You're no, the I mean, I'm you're just. Uh, South I'm
1: d- I don't know. I, I'm just telling you. I'm just looking. I mean, it could. It's not in the news. If it's happened, it's okay. certainly being kept under wraps. But no, he doesn't. Uh, you know, here's a story. John Clay, the writer for who covers Kentucky, he's got a story here with Scan gorello uh, after the right. loss Thank to you. Tennessee, and he says we got to get it fixed. Forty-four to six, got to get it fixed. They only had two hundred and five yards. Huh? They had more than Gamecocks. Gamecocks had two o three. Um yes, So yeah, I don't think he's been fired.
3: Okay, he's yeah. close.
1: Well, I don't, yeah, know close. Close, don't know if he's close. Don't know if he's
4: close. And Phil, just thank to you. On, just mm-hmm. to add on to the Nolan Smith news, Georgia, I believe, is dead last in the SEC. But I know for a fact they have ten sacks on the season total, and Nolan Smith had three of those. Mm. He's their leading. uh He has the lead most sacks for them on the year. So that is a huge loss for that Georgia defense.
1: He get hurt in a Florida game.
4: Yes. Uh, I don't remember now offhand what it was, but yes, it was an injury and they got multiple opinions on it, hoping that he could maybe just rest a few weeks, but he is now out for the season.
1: All right, let's uh, continue. Triple eight, eight, nine, eight, two, five, two, five. And, um, oh, poor Bergie. <laughs> he just sent me a note. They've been working on a broken water main there in the neighborhood. He hasn't had water since early today. E. Ouch, that's bad, and it was yeah. a torn pectoral muscle for Nolan Smith. Okay, torn pec. Those hurt. Uh, Billy in Charleston, good evening. Welcome into Sports Talk. How you doing?
5: Well, I'm a little bit more calm our day than I was yesterday. Good, good. I mean, my football weekend sucked. I mean, the mm-hmm. Gamecocks lost, Packers lost, my fantasy team lost. So oh. it was a pretty bad weekend for me all the way around. You had the trifecta uh, of losers. Exactly. Exactly. And, Phil, I got a question for you with the offense, which did not show up at all Saturday. Did they try to take a playbook out of the Texas A.M. locker room the other week and just not want to run with Sean, with Sean Lloyd as much as they should have? Because, I mean, he only got how many caps? No, yeah, he was
1: hurt. He got hurt on the first carry. Yeah, he hurt that quad. And, you know, we're wondering the same okay. thing. I'm wondering the same thing. Um, he comes out after that first run. He looked great. And mm-hmm. then he's in there – Sporadically, then hardly at all, and then he doesn't come out. Remember, he didn't come out of the locker room with the team. I didn't no, see he didn't. him. Didn't come out for a while. Then he did show up, but he's standing on the sideline in uniform with his helmet on, either on or in his hands, and we're wondering what's going on. Of course, we're figuring it. There's an injury of some sort, and so that's what it was. He had that quad muscle, and I, I, he couldn't go, so they had to go with their backups. No.
5: You know, this is the thing that I don't understand. I've been a like, long stuff in Carolina thing for over forty five years, ever since I was a little kid and why is it when it comes time for a big game like this game where you just won a big game last week, you just did everything possible to possibly have a really good season and then it's like they throw it all away time and time again. What is causing that? I mean it's that's like a repeat process up there. And I don't I don't understand why it keeps happening like that.
1: Well, I'm not gonna mention the chicken curse because right, that's supposed <laughs> to be dead. Um you believe in the chicken curse? I mean, I don't know. You know. Some people believe still believe it in, it in the chicken curse. Halloween was coming up and all that kind of stuff, but you know, they just they Texas AM I mean, they, did not meet South Carolina's intensity level, and South Carolina did not meet Missouri's intensity level uh, for sixty minutes. Looks, and I don't know, I can't like explain even, why. I can't it's just They're kids. They're still kids, even though they're paid like professionals and they, Mm -hmm. they they act, you know, they want to be treated like professionals. They, I mean, I'm confused. Are they kids or are they pros? How do we look at them? Do we criticize them because they're pros or do we keep our hands off because they're in college? I'm not saying they're students, but they're in, in the college setting. Um, I prefer to go ahead and criticize them now since they're getting paid and they're getting NIO money and all that. In fact, (laughs) this was kind of funny. Did you see this Pat? Um, Corey Rucker, this part wasn't funny. Corey Rucker, the Gamecock wide receiver, is out for the rest of the season. He's having surgery on, what is it, a foot? I think it's a foot that's been bothering him. But he tweeted out today, <laughs> well, he had the surgery. Surgery was successful. Appreciate the good luck wishes. So he's had his surgery. So, so that's good. He says, um, uh, praying, praying for a successful surgery. I'll be back next year. And so he's had the surgery. And, um, but in here, uh, huh, Coach Justin step of USC sent a tweet to him that said, praying for you, we got your back. God has a great plan. And Corey responded by saying, pray for some NIL too. rent is due today with a non smiley face on that. So, uh, but I mean, I'm sure he's just being funny, I guess. He gets He's on scholarship. Why would he be worried about the rent? Yeah. You know. And, and
5: you see, and you know, that's the thing, too, is for another day. But I'm like, if he can pay players that kind of money to come to school and they're on a scholarship already, the scholarship should be given to somebody else that's actually trying to get into school, and that's the only way they can get into school with sports. And they should be able to pay their own way if they're making that kind of money to begin with.
1: Well, that's an ex- excellent point that you bring up there. Do uh, you do away with the scholarship plans that they've had all these years? Be right back. Back we are Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Dave and Buster's studio here in downtown Columbia. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel. And uh, you will be with us here, we hope, in just uh, a little bit, unless he's out there patching up that water line that's broken in the neighborhood there. I think it's the line that uh, feeds all the people of Sardis and Timmonsville, Lamar, maybe into Darlington. And uh, he's, he's being a good neighbor, being a good neighbor, taking care of it. Uh, he'll be with us as soon as as soon as he can. Um, <laughs> he says he's glad he showered before the water went out. Yep, you never know when they're going to cut it. Uh, all right, triple eight eight 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number here on Sports Talk. Uh, let me mention a couple of things, and we'll get back to your phone calls. And then Pat, what do you? You've caused a waterfall in here, knocking over a glass. We're just a mess today. We are just a mess. I'm glad I'm off the highway. That ride was a lot simpler than what I've been dealing with since I got back here. Uh, so, um, so Corey Rucker did have his surgery and, um, it all went well. And he'll be out this year, of course, and, uh, look to come back strong next year, which will be good for South Carolina. Another potential quality uh, receiver that they can have, um, in the, uh, in the offensive rotation for next year. Um, real quick, Pat, you were over there at USC today. Kind of, kind of, share with us a little bit of the the mood around Beamer, how he how he handled the questions. Um, you, there was you said there was a point in there when he took
4: on the question about Jaheim Bell. Yeah, about 18 minutes into the press conference, he was he was asked, just kind of his thoughts on on the Jaheim Bell situation, and just if they had if they the two of them had spoken since the game. He mentioned that he and Jaheim had a uh, very productive, good conversation on Sunday um, and that they kind of had an understanding. And Coach Beamer also took full responsibility, saying that Jaheim has to get more involved. He has to be on the field more, just point blank, period, end of discussion. So he uh, he owned that, mm-hmm. uh, which I always really appreciate about Coach Beamer. Um, he did, though... He kind of paused for a moment, and it was one of those things where you know when you can tell somebody's internally debating whether they should keep talking or maybe stop. Mm -hmm. It was kind of one of those moments, and he decided to keep going. It was all fine. It wasn't anything bad, but he did go on to say, look, I have to be real with you guys, and paraphrasing here, there's only 11 guys on the field on offense at any given time. You're always going to have your five offensive linemen. You're always going to have a quarterback, so that's six. We're probably always going to have a tight end. That's seven. That only leaves four four other positions available on the field four other spots and if I put Jaheim Bell out there then people are going to wonder well where's Jalen Brooks or where is XYZ etc 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 and he was basically just making the point that no matter who he puts out there somebody's always going to complain uh, if if Jaheim Bell suddenly gets 10 touches for 140 yards th- that's fantastic first of all but then people might say well Jalen Brooks only got one target or Stogner only got one catch for eight yards on the night. Well, where was he? And so essentially he was – the way I took it is he was kind of telling everybody to relax. They have a lot of skilled players on offense, and they're just trying to figure out the best way to get them involved. But quite frankly, as good of an answer as that is, this at this stage of the season, more than halfway into the season, is that really a discussion we should still be having? Well
1: – In the NCAA stats this week, in total offense, the Gamecocks are 99th. In scoring offense, they're 62nd. In total defense, they're 51st. Scoring defense, they're 59th. They're first in block punch. They're third in kickoff returns. They're seventh in punt returns. And Spencer Rattler is 95th in passing efficiency. So their offense isn't getting it done. They got all this skill that they talk about, and they do talk about it. I mean, get your best players on the field. If he's one of your best three or four wide outs, if you go four wide, get him on the field or get him in the backfield or put him at tight end. Um, but whatever they're doing, it, it truly, um, it's been in decline since the Charlotte game and they, against a quality uh, power five opponent, whether it's quality or not, against any power five opponent that they've played so far this year. I mean, their offense has not been dynamic to say the least. Now I thought they were getting a little bit better the way they looked against Texas A&M, even though they didn't have a huge amount of yardage. I thought that when they needed to run the ball, they could run the ball. When they needed to protect Rattler, they could protect him. All that kind of went away against Missouri for whatever reason. So they need to certainly pick it up against uh, Vanderbilt and have a great offensive game against Vanderbilt on Saturday. As for Clemson in the stats this week, 49th in total offense, 19th in scoring, 27th in total defense, 21st in scoring, 4th in block kicks, 7th in kickoff returns, 3rd in red zone offense, that's a great stat, 7th in rushing defense, 7th in team tackles for loss, DJ Uyangale, 45th in passing efficiency. Coastal Carolina, 36th in total offense, 50th in scoring. 98th in total defense, 73rd in scoring, 2nd in fumbles recovered, 5th in turnovers gained, 6th in turnover margin, Grayson McCall 5th in passing efficiency. Is that Chris I see connected up there? Do we have him connected?
4: He is connected, but we are having issues. Basically, he is only hearing every other word you are saying. So, along with the water line issues over there in the, in the Florence area, having some maybe some his, um, issues. Maybe
1: his, uh, his uh, radio line got waterlogged, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's messing it up. I mean, I spilled a lot of
4: water. I don't think it was that much. All right. Well, let's. Uh, let, you want to go back to the phones here real quick, or what do you want to do? Sure. Yeah. We've got Gamecock Larry. He heard you say his name. Oh. And anytime he hears that, he's like Beetlejuice. You say his name, he's going to appear. We do have Gamecock Larry over in Swansea joining us now.
1: First Wild USC play caller, Gamecock Larry, how are you?
6: I'm doing okay, but I I wasn't going to call, but I heard you say something about the chicken curse. The chicken curse. Do you you remember the chicken curse? You don't believe there was a chicken curse?
1: Oh, I didn't say I didn't believe
6: it. I can guarantee you there was a chicken curse. I can tell you where it happened and when it happened and how it happened. It was a chicken curse put on the Gamecocks, and and uh, uh, I don't got uh, 1898 right here on the Horse in University of South Carolina by two high influential gentlemen, one from Charleston and one from Greenville. They put a curse on the Gamecocks.
2: Were you there?
6: I, I wasn't there, but I was close to it. But I know somebody that was there that was in school with. And there was, was a big rat up in the paper about it a couple of days later when it happened.
1: Well, how did they, like, what they do? Did they, like, sacrifice well, no, a chicken they, or something? What they what they no, do to put the curse on?
6: No, sir. There was uh, They wanted uh, uh, one was some Spartanburg and one was some... Talked and they wanted to open up a school in uh, in Spartanburg, and one of them was a Clemson graduate, and uh, anyway, they got in an argument over it, and uh, both of the uh, University of South Carolina and Clemson said, we ain't going to have it. So you're not going to build a school in, in uh, Spartanburg. So they went down here, and it was met out there at a little bar, and they was talking about it. And they said we wanted that school, and they, Carolina was really the one that kicked it. Mm. So they they went down there and Bernie's chicken. It wasn't Bernie's little old thing, and bought a bag of chicken bones.
1: Bernie's chicken? You mean he the place where Bernie's chicken is on Bluff Road?
6: yes sir they went uh, I just the truth i, I oh, was told I, I, this, i'm listening I, I, I was told this by a gentleman that was there in school mm-hmm. and so they went up there on the horse that got a bag of chicken bones and went to uh, hillman's i think it's hardware store and bought a pitchfork and a shovel and went down there at the university sneaked into the horseshoe dug a hole down there, Mm -hmm. and they threw them chicken bones in that hole, covered it up with the shovel, and one of them from my old university or Clemson graduate, he took that shovel and raised it, I mean, that pitchfork, and struck it down in the ground and said, from now on, anything that the Gamecocks has anything to do with it will be cursed. (laughs) And, and that happened, that happened. But the the old man told me this, I guess I was about, about 16 or 17, but I remembered it, but he was an old man. He was there. He was there when it happened.
1: Thank you for that, Larry. Thank you. Appreciate the call. (laughs) And and anything else? We're going to let you go.
6: Can I say one other thing? Yeah, real quick. Uh huh. Okay, okay. Triple T. Triple, Triple T. T. Yeah. You go. You go. Lose by ten Saturday. Oh, Clemson. Um, Notre Dame by ten. Go get. Go Gamecocks. Talk to you later. All Mr. right.
1: Dale. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. There. Gamecock Larry. So that's the history. They got they got chicken bones, cursed chicken bones, buried in the horseshoe. That's the problem over all these years. I'm glad we've been able to to solve that.
4: Did we just have a Harvey Updike Jr. moment here on our show? I don't know. Was that more of a confession? Uh, well, a he didn't la... he didn't kill anything. <laughs> I know I'm teasing. He didn't but kill that anything. It Was eerily similar though to the Harvey uh, Harvey Updike call on the Paul Feinbaum show a few years ago. Right, what he did to Auburn.
1: By the way, if you want to play football somewhere, Auburn is looking for um, warm bodied uh, humans. Let's see, just in the last few hours, receiver Thaddeus Evans, uh, also known as J.J. Evans, um, Landon King, uh, Tavarish Dawson, he's a wide receiver, and Zavian Capers, he's a wide receiver. They've all entered the transfer portal, John landing King is a tight end. So a tight end and a couple of receivers make that, um, make that three receivers have all entered the uh, transfer portal. John saying bye-bye, I guess to Auburn, not interested in waiting around to see who the new coach, they think they're going to run the wishbone. They don't need receivers there at, uh, at Auburn. Uh, and Brenton Cox last night, the, uh, linebacker from Florida who was dismissed from the team he's announced for the draft. So he's through messing around with the, um, pay-per-play scene at college. He's going to go for the pay-per-play scene in the uh, NFL. Uh, I want to squeeze in one more call before the break. Okay. We're going to go next to, um, uh, Keith and Camden Keith, welcome into sports talk. How are you, sir?
7: Hey, Phil. Hey, Hey, Pat. Hey, you
6: know, that that is hilarious. I, I love listening to, uh, Tiger Larry, I think that's his official name. That's nice Gamecock,
1: Gamecock Larry. Gamecock Larry.
6: Okay. Gamecock Larry. Gamecock <laughs> Larry. <laughs> but I was sitting here listening to that, and my grandfather, I've heard that story told. Uh, about the and, chicken bones? Uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and hearing uh, Gamecock Larry talk about it, wow, brings back memories. Mm. But I think somebody Friday night went down there with a backhoe <laughs> and uh, dug a big old hole and took all the chicken places in Columbia and reburied a pile. <laughs> so, <laughs> love you all show, but I thought I'd call and give a good comment to Gamecock Larry.
1: All right, so, sir. Thank you very uh, much. have a good one. I'm sure Bye. he appreciates it. Thank you very much. couple of lines are open. And our phone number is 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number here. On Sports Talk. We'll continue with your phone calls here after the break. Gonna hear from the coaches coming up as well. Latest college football championship odds from Bet Online, Ohio State and Georgia are 21 to 10. Alabama's eighteen to five, Tennessee's eight to one, Michigan's ten to one, Clemson eighteen to one. Don't forget, a little after seven, they'll have the first release of the college football playoff rankings.
2: Your home is where your memories
4: live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com.
8: Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803 803- for all of your Midlands insurance needs.
2: In Columbia, South Carolina, game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue, we're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com.
1: Listen. Recruiting Report here on Sports Talk. It is brought to you by Wells. Hey, if you're planning a special event, maybe it's a wedding reception. Maybe it's a birthday party. Maybe it's a corporate outing. Maybe you're planning Tom Brady's divorce party. That's nice, nice corn. You shouldn't make fun of somebody's tough situation in life. I mean, the guy's been dealt a terrible hand, and we shouldn't be making light of that. So I, I apologize, TB. Uh, maybe it's a business luncheon. Whatever the case may be, call the catering experts at Seawells. They have been serving the state with excellent food and service for about 80 years now, or about as long as Gamecock Larry's been around. So the Seawell family and staff, they can handle all your planning and your catering needs. 1125 Rosewood Drive is where they're located. 803-771-7385 and sewellscateringsc.com to check out the menu options. Of course, don't forget the daily luncheon and buffet. Back at you tomorrow from 11 till 2.
4: They'll have a great selection for you. Have you got a look at the menu, Pat? I do and it sounds great for tomorrow. Mm. Chicken fettuccine alfredo, southern fried chicken, and then salmon patties, which I'm not sure I've seen on the menu before. So that's that's quite a variety there. You've got your Italian, you've got your southern, and then you've got a little bit of seafood. Nice. And then don't forget of course all the fixins and side items you can handle, salad and dessert. So get over there tomorrow, at 11 to 2, it's only 13 bucks. The best buffet around is at Seawells. Hey, I
1: forgot to ask you, did you go um trick or treating last night after the show?
4: I I had hoped to with, I have two young nieces here in town, but by the time we got done with the show, they did the early, they went from about five to eight. Seems like everybody does it far earlier than than when we were kids. Um, I like to wait till darkness, but now it seems like by dark, a lot of kids are are home. You know, what was interesting was uh, driving through the neighborhood,
1: uh, I saw people wearing masks of my face. They were going as me. Around the neighborhood I kind of took that as a compliment To be honest with you see That would have scared me I mean that was a compliment Uh, One did have like little blood Running out of the eyes And things like that No That that is a big compliment That's neat neat. I'm kidding Am I wearing my face? Oh see I thought you were being serious Please tell me you didn't believe that
4: No of course not
1: (laughs) All right. So to recruiting tonight So a little bit more on Caden McDonald and the Clemson deal Sewanee, Georgia defensive tackle. Last night during our show, he committed to Ohio State. He also had Florida, Oklahoma, and Michigan on his short list. He took official visits to the other four programs and was scheduled for an official visit to Clemson for the USC weekend, assuming he's not going to take that now. He did take an unofficial to Clemson for the Syracuse game. He was also in for a camp stop in June. The Tigers have three defensive tackles committed ends to Felion Green, Peter Woods, and Victor Burley. They also have defensive ends committed in A.J. Hoffler and David Ojibi. And Tigers are still in hot pursuit of defensive end to Marion Parker of Phoenix City, Alabama. He was at Texas A&M last weekend. Before that, he made his official visit to Clemson for the Syracuse weekend. He is scheduled for a return to Clemson for the Miami game. Cornerback Tyler Scott, Mableton, Georgia, Made an official to Auburn last weekend. He will go down in history as the last official visit for Brian Harson at Auburn. He is scheduled for an official visit to Texas November 12th. He's also planning officials to Southern Cal and Michigan after the season. He's been to Louisville and Vanderbilt for unofficials. He continues to communicate with USC secondary coach Torian Gray, and he wants him to come in for an unofficial visit for the Tennessee game, which is on November 19th. Scott said he and Gray talk a lot, and he still wants him. The Gamecocks have a commitment from his teammate, receiver C.J. Adams. Scott said, you know, some people are assuming he's going to follow Adams at USC, but he said he's more inclined to go his own way. He named his current favorites as Auburn, Louisville, Southern Cal, Alabama, and Florida State. 2023, athlete Sudarian Harrison of Woodland made an unofficial USC for the Missouri game. While there, he talked briefly with Shane Beamer and was meeting him for the first time. Harrison said he was impressed with the facilities, which he had seen before at camp. He said running backs coach Monterio Hardesty is recruiting him, so whatever interest they might have in him would be as a running back. He plans to visit Virginia Tech this Saturday. Clemson and USC target offensive lineman DJ Chester, McDonough, Georgia, named the top six. Florida State, LSU, FAMU, Ole Miss, Auburn, and Michigan. 2024 tight end Michael Smith of Savannah. uh, named the top eight of USC, Tennessee, Ohio State, Alabama, Florida, Arkansas, Texas, and Penn State. 2024 place kicker and punter Bobby Inkstler of Tallahassee was at USC for the Missouri game. That was his second game day visit to USC. He was in for the Georgia State game. He's also been to Florida State, Florida, and Alabama. Per his Instagram account, 2024 offensive tackle Peyton Joseph 64280 of Fort Valley, Georgia offered Monday by USC. He also has Alabama, Florida, Florida State, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, Miami, Oklahoma as some other offers. And let's see uh did that uh, talked about that um mention this again 2025 basketball player 6'3 Caleb Evans of Lexington plans to visit Clemson November 29th. And, Pat, I made a mistake last night, and you didn't correct me, and neither did uh, Burgie. Shame on us. Well, I reported it's not what I wrote because I left off the end of this sentence, which was important because the end of the sentence was the school. And I guessed, and I guessed wrong, 2024 right-hander third baseman Gavin King, 65190 of Liberty Creek, Tennessee, committed to USC. I said Clemson last night. That was my mistake. USC. Also, the Gamecocks got a commitment. 2026 shortstop right-hander Parker McGee of Lancaster committed to South Carolina. There you go. Recruiting report here on Sports Talk as we approach the top of the hour on this uh, talking Tuesday. I, I don't want to take another call and try and squeeze it in. So we'll continue with the calls after the top of the hour. If you hang in there, we'll get to you. Also, Dabo Sweeney coming up. Shane Beamer coming up, and Kerry Tharp coming up as well on this Talking Tuesday. And, you know, last night we had a story about Ridgeview getting bumped from the high school league playoffs. Loco Sports also reported the other day, Hilton Head Prep has forfeited its Skeezer 3A playoff game at Petey Academy. They only have 15 players available. So they were winless, but they were in the playoffs for some reason somehow some way but they're just forfeiting they only have 15 players they decide to to give it up okay gonna hit the break here at the top of the hour a full second hour of sports talk coming up with Beamer and with Sweeney and with Kerry Tharp and more from you we'll be back
0: welcome back to sports talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number 888 898 2525. That's 888 898 2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: Okay, we're back with your Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk. Media network on a talking Tuesday from here in downtown Columbia, the Dave and Buster's studios, Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel. Uh, we've gone ahead and given Bergie the rest of the night off. So he could go help, uh, fix that water break there in the, uh, his community there. So maybe he can take a shower by tomorrow. I think that'd be, we're doing that for mankind. We're trying to trying to help things out there for mankind. So, so good luck to the utility workers there. Uh, Bergey and the crowd trying to fix that water line down there. In the meantime, our phone number, 888-898-2525. Back to your calls. We've got some Dabo Sweeney coming up, Kerry Tharp, and Shane Beamer. Uh, Dean in Florence, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you, sir?
7: Thank you, guys. Enjoy your show. Yes, sir. Uh, Listen, the problem, the thing with Bell is this. Why is the coach's kid 44 playing and Bell's not? And why is 44-kid, the coach's kid playing, and number 12's not? And the thing about Satterfield is he's clueless. I mean, his thing is one-on-one matchups, and it's ruining Rattler because he doesn't look anywhere else. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Atkins
1: came in as a transfer of East Tennessee State as a guy that's supposed to be a really good blocker, an occasional receiver, kind of an H-back, attached tight end. He's not going to be that guy that, splits out and gets down the field but he is supposed to be a good blocker and I mean my guess is it's got to go back to that in practice and uh to to make some things happen with the screen passes that they run you've got to have blocking on the on the outside and I'm wondering if maybe guys who aren't playing in those positions is because they're not blocking maybe that's why the on Joyner is not playing a whole lot maybe he's not blocking I'm just thinking out loud here I don't know I'm you know, unlike anybody else who's looked at this situation and trying to, to figure out why some guys may or may not be playing. But you're going to hear from Beamer in a little bit, and he's going to say he's basically going to – well, Pat, you were there. He's basically going to – would you say apologize or just
4: try to is spin it a good word? How uh, would you describe what he said? I don't think I would characterize it as apology. I, I take it, first of all, as him kind of owning the situation while also acknowledging – that they don't really have a good... I hope I'm using this right, a good excuse or reason. They don't really seem to have a good reason for why they're not using them. But but the caller just made a good point I'd like to go back to. So Adkins is not looked at. He has one reception for two yards on the season. But we have talked all year long about the struggles of the offensive line. You mentioned throughout, like when you were live-tweeting the game Saturday, that, that Rattler was essentially running for his life the the entire game, He was, which of course hurts his... Hurts his game as well. But you talk about a Jaheim Bell, or you mentioned to carry-on Joyner. They're more more so going to do chip blocks, or correct me if I'm wrong, or, and then kind of turn around and look for the ball. They're more of a receiving player as opposed to strictly a blocker. So maybe Atkins is playing and acting as that sixth, off, sixth offensive lineman, just trying to get Rattler and the guys a little more time for the plays develop and for him to be able to look downfield. Whereas a Jaheim Bell... If he's only coming in and blocking for a second or two and then kind of moving into position and turning around to try to look for the football, that's not really doing anything to benefit your offensive line. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm -hmm. it does. All right,
1: thanks for your phone call. We have got the first release of the college football playoff ranking, the first top 25. And let me see here. I'm having a look at it from a – a tweeting standpoint, so let's see here. I see 20 through 16, and I see 15 through 11. I don't see 25. Oh, there it is. There's 25 through 21. So 25 was UCF, 24 is Texas, 23 is Oregon State, 22 is NC State, lost to Clemson, 21 is Wake Forest, lost to Clemson, 20 is Syracuse, lost to Clemson, 19 is Tulane, 18 is Oklahoma State, 17 is North Carolina, we will be losing to Clemson, 16 is Illinois. I mean, Clemson can make a pretty good argument that with, with all that happening, that would be four wins over top 20 teams. How can you leave them out? Penn State, 15, Utah, 14, Kansas State, 13, UCLA, 12, and Mississippi, 11. That's where they are right now. That's what I see through 11, and uh, we'll pass along the others as they come out. Uh, but how can Clemson be left out? I was talking with someone today, and, I mean, look, if they run the table, win the ACC championship 13-0, and would be very, 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 very hard with their reputation as well. They get the benefit as a two-time champion. They get the reputation benefit like Alabama always does. And now Georgia will start to. Tennessee won't get that benefit from that standpoint. But again, I throw this out there at you. I throw this out out there at you. And tell me if you think it's at all possible. So either way, let's say Tennessee beats Georgia in a close one in Athens. Tennessee beats Georgia, close one in Athens. Georgia wins the rest of its games. So does Tennessee. Tennessee goes to the SEC championship game and loses on a field goal in the final seconds to Alabama. One lost Alabama. You know they're in. They won the championship. One lost Tennessee. I got to believe they're in because they're going to take, if Alabama beats either Tennessee or Georgia in the SEC championship, and it's close, I got to believe both are going i got to believe both are going. It's the SEC. Like it or not, the committee loves the SEC and their reputation. And then what do you do with the third team? What do you do with Georgia? A one-loss Georgia or a one-loss Tennessee that didn't play in the championship game? What do you do? Um, could Could three of them get in? I mean, if Tennessee loses a close game to Georgia or a close game to Alabama in the championship game, and that's their only loss, and they destroy South Carolina and Vanderbilt and whoever else is left on the schedule. With the season they've had, how can you say they're not one of the top four teams in the country? But then there's Clemson sitting there 13-0 and with four wins over top 25 teams. But then what happens in the Big Ten with Michigan and Ohio State, and they play each other undefeated. And the winner advances with a very close game, very close game, and then goes and blows out a team in the Big Ten championship game. And the other team's sitting at home with one loss, but that loss was only to the other one in a very close game. Otherwise, it's a perfect season. There you go again. I'm just saying. I'm just thinking out loud. And then there's TCU, which could be undefeated. Sitting right there. This could get very, very interesting over the next few weeks as the rest of the season plays out. Uh, Pat, do you see any more rankings? We left off at uh, 15. No, we left off going into
4: number 10. Have you seen any more pop up? I have not yet. I'm sorry. I was actually trying to look and help me think back. A few years ago, Alabama, I think I'm remembering this correctly, did not play in the SEC championship game but still made the college football playoff as the four seed. Mm-hmm.
9: I believe That's that happened.
4: was the year they beat Ohio State then in the first round, and they may have actually gone on to win the national championship. I think they did. Where I'm going with this is let's say Georgia beats Tennessee this weekend. Alabama then beats Georgia in a close SEC championship. I think I might see Tennessee making, it, making the playoff over Georgia because they had beaten Alabama in the regular season, so then you would have two teams get in. But then, of course, you'd have Bulldog fans crying, or not crying, but Mm -hmm. upset that why wouldn't we get in if we made the SEC championship game, we beat Tennessee in the regular season. Just find it hard to believe that the committee would take three teams from the same conference when you have four other Power Five (laughs) conference champions out there.
1: Excuse me. All right, let me see what we got here. I just saw number seven is TCU. Um, All right, Michigan is five. TCU is seven. Alabama is six. TCU seven, Alabama six, Michigan is five. So Clemson's going to be four. Wow. Uh, Clemson's going to be four here. Wow. So all they got to do is win. All they got to do is win. That's, if,
4: that's surprising because a lot of the talking heads for weeks now have been thinking that Clemson would be either six or seven in this.
1: Unless I'm, they didn't, they didn't put them at eight. Certainly not. I haven't seen. It. My Twitter feed here is sort of hit and miss with these.
4: With no, the, seven was TCU. Oregon was eight. Southern yeah. California was nine. Ten yeah. was LSU. Uh, it looks like they are. Well, they're talking for a bit before they announce who's number four, but that's most certainly would have to be Clemson. Yeah, Clemson's got to be number four. All right, I'll tell you what. Let's go to a break,
1: and when we come back, we'll hear from Dabo Sweeney, and by then we should have the rest of that uh, ranking out, and we can go over that, but also hear what Dabo Sweeney had to say today at his press conference leading into Saturday night's game with touchdown Jesus staring down upon them. It's the Catholics against the very strong other side of the Christian denomination, I guess you could say. (laughs) I'm having some fun there. Now, don't take it seriously. Just having some fun. We'll be back and uh, hear from Dabo Sweeney in a moment.
0: It's What's for Dinner in South Carolina, funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program.
4: life it has its ups and downs sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone maybe it's the bills rent or pressure at work but when it comes to the south carolina education lottery you should never feel like playing will solve everything the lottery is a game it's played for fun so set a dollar amount expect not to win and make sure responsibilities family friends and work come first Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. All right,
1: very quickly, uh, Clemson is uh, number four in the first release of the college football playoff ranking for this year. So the Tigers have got themselves in position where I think if they went out I don't well of course people can jump you but I think if they went out now that they're already in the top four and I mean who they have left every game that they would win whether it's a tight one or not against a, a power five strong opponent so I would say win and they're in take care of your business and I think you're gonna slide right into the playoff uh, for their sake and for the fans sake. And for the media's sake, you know, you hope they end up in Atlanta. That's where one of the semifinals going to be this year. So um, put them in Atlanta, let them play whoever uh, – put them in as the, the four, whatever the case may be, and let them play uh, whoever the number one seed happens to be. Have to be either Al- – well, Alabama, Georgia, or Tennessee would probably – they, they would have the call and they would want to be closer to home, so it would be in Atlanta. Um, what else we got, Pat, rounding out the top four there? You, you said Tennessee was number one.
4: Yeah, so Clemson number four, Georgia number three, Ohio State number two, and then Tennessee number one.
1: Tennessee number one. Who thought that was happening in the preseason? Who had Tennessee number one in the first college football playoff ranking um,
4: back in June, July? Is there any doubt who right now is the national coach of the year? No, there's none. I mean, for what he has been able to do in two years, just two years. Just think back to what Tennessee was, and just, we might use this term too loosely these days, but what a dumpster fire mm. it was. Just pending NCAA investigations and potential penalties, you had players defecting left and right, you had uncertainty on the coaching staff at all levels uh, within the athletic department, and now to see just the the amount of success that they have had, I would expect Tennessee Let me back up. First of all, there have been rumors Tony Romo over the weekend, live on the national broadcast, hinted that he thought NFL teams would be calling Tennessee. That they would be pursuing the head coach there very, very soon. And now, I think Tennessee's going to have to open up that checkbook and it's well-deserved.
1: Every year, if you win big, you get paid. Of course, he's being paid pretty well as it is, but that's going to go up. Okay. So, is Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, and Clemson in your top four right now? But Georgia still has to play Tennessee. One of them's going to take a loss, and Alabama's still looming as well, uh, sitting just outside, waiting for their shot at. If they get by LSU, they got to go down to Baton Rouge and deal with that. Get by LSU, and they still play. Have to play Ole Miss, Alabama. I think maybe still have to play Ole Miss. I think there's still one other in there besides Auburn. They have to play. Uh, in the meantime, let's go to uh, Dabo Sweeney from his press conference today coming off the open week getting ready for the trip up to Notre Dame here is Dabo Sweeney
8: well we're excited to get back in the fight you know it was good to have an open date I think very beneficial uh, for us as a staff and certainly for our guys uh, with with 12 weeks of of really just you know competitive work Uh, so thankful that everyone had a chance to kind of regroup a little bit and a lot of stuff to, that we need to get taken care of academically as well and uh, <clears throat> so just a good reset for everyone. Obviously today's November 1 and uh, you know it's it's, uh, it's good to be in the position that we're in you know to be sitting here uh, you know 8-0. Um, it's a credit to our team and our staff. These guys have, have fought all year to to get to this point and I'm just really proud of them I mean we've been far from perfect uh, that's for sure and when it comes to as far as how we've maybe played or executed at times but uh, we found ways to win games and uh, that's a great that's a skill that's a skill and uh, this team has has that skill and I'm really proud of them uh, you know for that I think health-wise we're as good as we've been in a long time obviously it's Tuesday practice and Today and tomorrow will be two uh, <clears throat> tough practices as we really ramp it back up and get ready for game mode. Um, but we're in a good spot, you know, going into this this phase of our season uh, from a health standpoint, and, and hopefully uh, that will continue to be the case. Uh, but really excited about, you know, going up to Notre Dame. I mean, this is uh, a really good football team. You know, it's a team that – <clears throat> when you really look at them and you study them and, and, and have, have watched, you know, every play of every game, and really, uh, you know, a good feel for who they are, um, man, I, I think. Uh, uh, and I don't know Coach Freeman, but man, he's done a great job of really, you know, just settling them in. Is the best way I can say it, I mean, they they lost they had two tough losses, and when you're at a place like Notre Dame, and uh, just like at, at Clemson, you know it. it It just really shows the type of leader that I think he is. That he's been able to really uh, overcome that and really settle them down, uh, both as and manage that staff and manage his team. I'm really impressed with, uh, you know, I know he's always been a great coach, but I'm impressed with him as a leader because it's a difficult thing to do. So a couple tough losses early. uh, They've had injuries. You know, they lost their starting quarterback. Uh, they had to kind of redefine themselves in some areas. They lost a great receiver. They, they've had, you know, another tight end out. They've had good players that, that uh, they've lost. Uh, but they still got, you know, eight starters back on, on offense and seven back on defense. It's a really veteran football team. And all of a sudden, you, you, get, you don't get off to the start that you want. Um, and we're right there against Ohio State, you know, in and, and, and the fourth quarter uh and then obviously a, a, another difficult loss after that and your quarterback gets hurt you know, how do you handle that well I mean they've won five out of six you know they've settled down i think they have found their identity uh they're getting the ball to their playmakers you know and uh the court the you know 10 pine who's come in is has really settled in you know to the role I think early on you know they were trying to really kind of figure out uh some things but man they got three. Grown men at running back, and you know there's no there's no secret what their identity is, and you can either match that or you can't, um, you know, because I mean they have a, and you've played eight games, so you have a distinct style of play at this point, and uh, they're a very physical group. Uh, all three backs can 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 beat you. All three of them they got all got about the same amount of carries. I mean these guys are really really good football players. Uh, we saw one up close a couple years ago uh they they've settled in at receiver got three really good receivers in 0 and 4 and 83 and then 87 is a all-American. I mean, he's he's a great great football player uh that that they use, but you know, they have a they have a a style of play and you you either are ready for that or you're not. So it's going to be a very physical game. Uh no secret there. And, uh, and then, you know, we, we have to – we can't give these guys short fields. You know, we can't um, uh, turn the ball over. we got to get back to – you know, we had three turnovers in seven games, and then all of a sudden we, we have four in one game. You know, so that's a recipe for disaster, and we were very fortunate to overcome that. Uh, it would be hard to overcome that on the road at a place like Notre Dame. So uh, we got to do a good job ball security-wise and, and try to turn them over uh, and not let them control the ball. Uh, and then on the flip side, defensively, they're very well coached. They're well positioned. They're big. They're strong. Uh, same thing. Same mindset. That's what they practice against every day. It's a physical mindset uh, that they have, you know. And so do a good job schematically on the back end. They got some veteran players. Again, seven starters back on the on the defensive side. Uh, the three linebackers, I think, are outstanding. Got a ton of experience. Uh, and uh, so – you know, it's just a—it's a complete football team. Excellent punter, excellent kicker, uh, and they have again. I think, as as things kind of got away from them early, it's kind of it's it's really good to see. Uh, you know, because again, I know what it's like to be in that that situation. You know, where there's a lot of disappointment early, especially at a a, a place like Notre Dame, and then, man. Uh, to see them respond, I think you got to give them a lot of credit to those kids and to um, and to that coaching staff, in particular uh, Marcus and the job he's done. So you know, winning five out of six, they're a confident group coming off, a, you know, a, a, a ranked win. They've got, got they're one of the few teams out there in the country that have multiple ranked wins. You know, uh, so uh, definitely a, a, going to be a, a tough challenge up there, but we're excited about it. Looking forward to it. Um, you know, I'm sure they're disappointed it's not going to be three inches of snow. Uh, you know, so maybe one day that'll work out. But I think it's going to be a beautiful night and a great opportunity for both teams and uh, should be a heck of a football game.
0: Coach, you played there two years ago, obviously, uh, but limited fans because of COVID. How exciting is it for you and your guys to be in that environment, that uh, stadium and with a packed house prime time?
8: Yeah, well, I think, you know, that's what makes college football great. And as a competitor and somebody who's been a part of college football for, you know, since 1988 uh, as a player and a coach. I mean, I, I, I love that, um, you know, I love playing in Tuscaloosa. I love playing at Legion Field. I know that's a thing of the past, but I, I love that. I love that environment. I love going on the road to Knoxville and Baton Rouge and, and you know Arkansas and you name it, uh, been all over the country. And then, you know, coming to a place like Clemson and getting a chance to, to coach in a venue like this. I mean, it's special. And then all these places we get to go to—I mean, it's awesome, you know. Going down, I thought the crowd at Florida State a couple weeks ago was was tremendous. Um, you know, uh, we know everywhere we go, we're going to get we're going to get everybody's best shot. We're going to get everybody's best fan support. You name it—it um, kind of comes with being at Clemson, and 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 I think as a competitor, you love that. And uh, as a college person, whether you're a coach or a player, um, is special. And then and then you have places like Notre Dame, right? Like that's iconic. Um, And I mean, we've we've won there one time since 1979. I know we've only played there once, uh, but still, I mean, you know, it's not like you get to go to a place like Notre Dame every year. And I think, you know, the the history of Notre Dame, the brand of Notre Dame is it speaks for itself. I mean, this is a, a historic place. That Tim Bure loves to tell me about uh, for 20 years. Uh, so I, I know way more about Notre Dame than I probably should. Uh, but it's special. And I, and I am glad, you know, that was we were thankful to be able to play. Uh, but also at the same time, you know, it, it's kind of disappointing, you know, cause especially when, when you're when you have this vision. And you go up there, and you know, and it's, it, it is what it is at that time. But so it, it is exciting to be able to see Notre Dame at its best, and and I know that's what we'll get. We'll get we'll get the best the best they got, and look forward to competing against them.
1: All right, some of Dabo Sweeney, all of it's up on our website. About when I say forty nine minutes, about forty nine minutes of well his opening statement, and then questions and answers. Go listen to all of that if you want to on our website, SportsTalkSC.com. Shane Beamer coming up in a few minutes after Kerry Tharp. the boss is now like 73 years old he's going touring again this fall or maybe this spring that's not the boss this is the boss we welcome in the boss of Darlington Raceway KT Kerry Tharp I'm still buzzing I'm still buzzing over what happened Sunday and I've got a nickname now for that kind of that move and that driver I've got a nickname
7: Lay it on me, Phil. What you got?
1: Well, you know, it's Ross Chastain, right? So you oh, yeah. call it Rossi Wallbanger. <laughs>
7: that you know, sounds like a
1: Harvey name. Harvey Wallbangers? The Rossi yeah. Wallbanger. Rossi Wallbanger. There, how
7: about
1: this? How about this one? The Wall Russ. Oh, I like that. The Wall I Oh, like the that. Wall Russ. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good too. Who came up with that? Yeah.
7: Uh, I don't know, Phil. I thought about it here a few minutes ago. (laughs) The Hail hail Melon.
1: The Hail Melon. Yeah, I like that, too. He's a watermelon guy. But seriously, now, where were you? Because I think this is one of those moments in NASCAR history. I think in sports history, too, to be honest with you.
5: Absolutely.
7: But where
1: were you watching, uh, and what was your reaction?
7: Yeah, I was there. I was in turn three up in an area there at the track they call the brake pad, which is – you know where they turned in a area of the of the uh, of the uh, track into kind of a hospitality area. So I was up there with some some of the other folks from the track watching the end of the race. And when I saw that, I was like, I can't believe what just happened. Yeah. I said, What in the world? And you and the place erupted. It it was it was like you said one of those moments, like a Kirk Gibson homer or you know, uh, uh, Bill Mazeroski, Homer, or Michael Jordan, jumper, or, you know, uh, Montana to Dwight Clark, one of those moments that you think about, but it was just something that, you know, it just came out of nowhere, Phil. And, and, you know, I don't even think anybody on his team knew what he was going to do. He just did it. And uh, it paid off and it'll go down in history as one of the more exciting moments uh, of NASCAR. Is that like
1: one of the few tracks in NASCAR where that could have been pulled off?
7: Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, I've seen, I've seen it tried a couple of times. I saw Carl Edwards try to do it one time at Kansas. He tried to get past Jimmy Johnson and it didn't work. Uh, and then I saw Kyle Larson actually try to do it here at Darlington a couple of years ago to try to overtake, uh, Denny Hamlin there on turn four and it didn't work either, but I'd say Martinsville, you know, maybe the only place that you can do it. I don't think you can do it at Bristol because the banking's so severe. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'd say Martinsville might be the place that you can actually do it and get away with it.
1: Yeah. So, we had the pass in the grass, and now we've got yep. the Rossi wall banger, or whatever you want to call oh, it. Yeah. That's all good. Do you think NASCAR is going to step in here at some point, guys? We we can't allow this to happen. We can't have you riding the rim of the track trying to pass somebody is too dangerous you're going to hurt somebody or hurt yourself
7: well you know i have heard that conversation uh i certainly hope not i really do i've I've listened to some of our leadership today on on some of the uh on some of the programming i did not get the indication that they were thinking along the lines of something like that uh yeah but i guess if I guess the only reason I think that they may do something, Phil, is if, if people kept trying it time and time again and it all of a sudden became a safety hazard. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I could see that happening. But, you know, this, this you know, I'm not saying this is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, a one off. I mean, who's, who's to say that Ross Chastain won't try it at Phoenix if he's, you know, running second there coming out of turn three? But, uh, I, I certainly would hope not that the, that, uh, that NASCAR wouldn't step in. And like I said, I think maybe the only way that they would is if it became uh, obvious that this was uh, this was a safety uh, safety hazard.
1: Then you know, give credit to technology and to NBC with the oh, coverage yeah. inside the cars. I mean, it was one thing to watch it real time and see this bullet come out of nowhere and come around the track and get past Denny Hamlin. Then you go inside his car and inside the cars mm. around him and see the different angles, different views, and oh watching gosh. him pass those cars. It was amazing.
7: It was. And all the radio transmission that you hear, you know, I think Denny Hamlin was like, what was that? and yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and a few other choice words, but. You know, uh, the, the thing that I thought was really, really cool was I guess he was coming maybe on the front stretch, and his spotter said, You got to pick up two spots. You got to pick up two spots. And then it got silent for maybe seven or eight seconds, maybe not even that long, five yeah. seconds. And then the next thing you know, he's just riding the wall. And, you know, he's. He's going. I was told he was going about fifty or sixty miles an hour faster than anybody else. Mm. So, you know, I mean, it was like he was shot out of a cannon. And uh, you know, for him to accomplish that uh, is, you know, like you said, something that will go down. And you know, it's got people across the country that aren't even NASCAR fans talking. Sure, you know, and that, you know, that's 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 kind of cool because you know our sport. I think. And I think you probably agree. I think our sport is undercovered for the most part by some of these national outlets. And uh, I think you know you've seen you've seen this video replay on SportsCenter Center and, and all kinds of uh, different uh, talk shows and things of that nature. But uh, you know, anytime you can get your sport to be, I guess you could call mainstream, I think is a is a real positive.
1: Nice to know ESPN remembers you guys still exist
7: yeah exactly you know? goodness gracious come on now
1: <laughs> now is, is it your understanding that he just basically because he said afterwards he caught fifth gear and let it go so he just got the fifth gear and and mashed the pedal to the floor and just just let it go as fast as
7: it would go that's my understanding and i don't know if anybody ever got to fifth gear other than him that day because i think mainly they were shifting to third excuse me it might have been about the fastest they were going Mm. but yeah i think he got it all the way to fifth he never let up and uh he stayed on the throttle and and uh you know it was one of those one of those deals that was almost like a perfect storm everything worked out because i mean it could have gone real bad for him and just tore off the side of that car yeah and uh although i did hear afterwards uh driving back uh, i did hear uh, that his crew chief Adam Stevens, uh, not excuse me, not not Adam Stevens, but uh, I can't remember now what his crew chief's name is for Trackhouse yeah. Racing, but his crew chief said that uh, that his car would not have lasted another lap yeah. because I think all the suspension broke and all the you know the things that hold the car together broke and, and uh, but he he got to, he got to where he needed it. At the right place at the right time with with no room to spare.
1: All right. So it's Logano, Bell, Chastain, and Elliott. You got, well, a couple of veterans and some new blood. What do you, yeah. and you got uh, Penske, you got Gibbs, Trackhouse, and Hendrick. Four different teams represented.
7: Yeah. I think it's, it's fantastic. You got four different teams represented. I really do. And, you know, I think it's hard to handicap this thing. I mean, you look at it uh, in several different ways. I mean, Joey Logano wrapped his his spot up a couple weeks ago, so I'm sure his team has a pretty good head start on getting ready for Phoenix, right? Uh, because there was no pressure on them to to win at uh, at, at Martinsville, and uh, you know, and so, or even win at Homestead. I mean, he won the uh, he won that first race, you know, that 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 came out of the bat there in that uh, uh, that final uh, segment, and so. Uh, you know, and then you look at Chase Elliott, and he's a he's a former champion as well, and very consistent this year. I think he's won five races. You look at Christopher Bell, who has had two walk-off wins this year. I mean, good gosh, Mm. the guy's got ice water in his veins, right? Mm. And then you look at Ross Chastain, who certainly is the talk of the nation, and probably the people's choice right now to win the uh, win the championship. So, um. You know, I don't know who the favorite is going into this thing. I think it's going to be uh, quite a race on Sunday.
1: I agree. Looking forward to it. KT, great as always. Have yourself a great uh, rest of the week, and we will talk to you next week.
7: Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Phil. Thank
1: you. Gary Tharp, president of Darlington Raceway. Great insight from him. He was there. He was in turn three. I could see them. You know, you're seeing okay, the race is about to be won, and the four are pretty much set, and they're probably throwing back a couple and hobnobbing, and all of a sudden here comes this uh, rocket ship coming around three and heading towards the the checkered flag, and it's like, what in the world was that? They probably had to do a double take and look at monitors and listen to radio and stuff like that to figure out what, uh, what just happened. Okay, thank you, KT. Great as always. After the break, hear from uh, Shane Beamer here on Sports Talk. <laughs> Hi, this is Phil Kornblut of Sports Talk here with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. What words of wisdom do you have for those hitting the water this summer?
8: Phil, collisions can be prevented easily if every vessel operator fulfills three major responsibilities. One, practice good seamanship. It's the responsibility of every boat or PwC operator to take all necessary action to avoid a collision. Two, keep a proper lookout. Failing to keep a sharp lookout is the most common cause of boating collisions. And finally, maintain a safe speed. Remember, boat safe, boat smart.
4: You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made this moment possible
3: set your family up for life southern farm bureau life insurance your friends for life
10: life insurance isn't for you it's for those you love the most for a complete insurance review call buddy bridges in lawrence county at 864-923-2174 serving lawrence clinton and the shores of lake greenwood southern farm bureau life insurance company jackson mississippi not licensed to do business in all 50 states
1: Talking Tuesday continues. We've heard from Dabo Sweeney. Time to hear from Shane Beamer, Gamecock coach, from his press conference today looking at Vanderbilt.
10: Big challenge this week going up to Nashville. uh, Team, you look at the schedule they've played. They've played Ole Miss, they've played Alabama, and they've played Georgia. So three of the – I don't even know where everybody's ranked right now, but I know three of the top nationally ranked teams in this this conference they've already faced. Um, They – with a minute to go in the first half – Vanderbilt's beating Ole Miss 20 to 10. Uh, they were up 13 to three at one point and And uh, then last week or two weeks ago against Missouri, they've, they've, uh, they're have they've down 17-0 to Missouri and come back and had the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to win it. So it's a team that's very, very, very uh, capable. They've got some really, really impressive and talented players. It's a mix of super seniors and, and true freshmen that they're playing up there. I think Clark has done a phenomenal job uh, with his football team. They they uh, they're recruiting to a, a certain skill uh, uh, skill set size that they've identified, and and you can see it. I mean, they're playing really, really, really hard. Uh, they're really, really well coached. They present a lot of challenges in, in all three phases. They've had a week off uh, to get to get ready for this game as well. And uh, certainly present problems, like I said, offensively, uh, defensively, and on on special teams. So it'll be a challenge for us going on the road again. And uh, like I said, I got tons of respect for the job they're doing up there and how they continue to move that program forward and and get better each and every week, uh, injury-wise with us. You know, it's November 1st, and we play in the SEC, so there's going to be a lot of bumps and bruises this time of year after eight games, and, and uh, that's what we have. And no one that we'd sit here today and say is definitely out. But certainly got some guys that are, that are questionable. Uh, Terrell Dawkins practiced today and gets closer and closer to being able to play, and, and um, you know, hopefully we can stay healthy here as we go through the rest of the week into, into Saturday and in what should be a fun environment up in Nashville on Saturday night. So, Questions? Shane, a few of the players were in here and were talking about uh, how Missouri, especially as the game went on, seemed to know what you guys were going to run, like raising their hands and you guys were going to call a pass play. After watching the film, have you guys seen what they were seeing, what they were reading from the offense? No. Um, After every uh, game, we self-scout, David. When we play opponents that we don't play again, we uh, uh, usually try and connect with those coaches see what you had on us, what we had on you, uh, non-conference teams, things like that. So we've done that often. We, we uh, dove into a self-scout during the off week and saw some tendencies that we had, uh, some of the communication that we had with – with uh, some coaches from some other schools, you know, alerted us to some tendencies also, which we are no different than any other team. I mean, we've got tendencies that we're going to attack with Vanderbilt this week. There were tendencies that we tried to attack with with uh, Missouri run pass, and, and every team, you know, has those tendencies. Uh, certainly a couple of them were, you know, a little concerning. I think there was a third and two that we had, and we were in a bunch set, which which uh, they were signaling pass. There's uh, there, there some things that, like I said, we've tried to combat the last couple of weeks, Nothing that really jumps out at us from from that game, and and I also think you know you try and change communication up and things like that. But these players aren't dumb. If they're hearing certain things coming out of the you know quarterback's mouth, they may anticipate it being a being a pass and and, and stuff like that. But nothing that you know nothing that's glaring, but something that we're always always uh, looking at as a staff in all three phases, trying to break tendencies, just like every other school is in the in the country.
0: Hey, Shane it seemed like Spencer was under pressure a lot
2: on Saturday against Missouri. How do you guys schematically maybe go about changing some of that and
4: getting the ball out of his hand quicker maybe rolling him out some?
10: Uh, we got to certainly look at moving him out of the pocket and changing his launch point. And, and I sit it all week and I don't think anybody believes me. Still, that's a really disruptive defense that we just played. they are a reason they're top four in the SEC in total defense, they're, they're disruptive um, at, at all positions. So sometimes you're just, you're going to get beat. And we've got a really good offensive line and sometimes you know you're out there one on one against a really talented defensive end or defensive tackle or linebacker or whoever it is, and the other team's gonna gonna win. So we've got to win our share of battles, but certainly we've got to uh, continue to, you know, help Spencer with with protection and, and moving the pocket, and, and that's every week, Colin. That's not just last week. I mean, we, I knew going into the game Missouri was gonna uh, be disruptive and and was gonna make some plays against our offense and, and get us unfortunately in some negative yarded situations, and it happened too much, but. You uh you know, you give Missouri credit, but you also look at at being able to to do things, running the ball, moving the pocket. We got the ball out of his hands quick. I mean all those perimeter things were either screens or RPOs the other night and that's how you get the ball out of his hands quick as well.
7: Shane, as far as what you said about you connect with other coaching staffs about what they had on you, what you had what you had on them, um, what percentage of times or how often do other staffs not want to cooperate with you guys on that?
10: Hmm. Um, Usually I'm not reaching out to them, Gene, unless I know they're probably going to want to cooperate with me, if that makes sense. I mean, to me, it's and this goes all the way back to when I was a graduate assistant at Tennessee back in 2001 working for – John Chavis. I mean, on, on Mondays or Sundays after a game, me, the GA, or the defensive coaches would be on the phone with the coaches from other schools just you know, that we just played. Or, you know, um, we're calling another SEC school to find out about an SEC school that they just played. I mean, I used to joke that there, might have, there should have just been like a conference call with defensive coaches in the SEC back in the early 2000s every Monday morning because we were all talking to each other anyway. Um, I mean, I can... Uh, um, so that's always been ongoing, but I'd say most of the time. I mean, it's, it's, it's typically a non-conference team that is not on your schedule anytime soon, uh, i.e. Charlotte. I don't think we're playing Charlotte anytime soon, but after that game, being able to talk with some of their coaches or, or uh, uh, Georgia State, uh, don't play them anytime soon, I don't think, talking to them at the beginning of the season. And and then, you know, you play teams in the SEC, but you have teams that, you know, whether we talk to Arkansas or not, it's it's potential to talk to an Arkansas when you don't play them again for a while, you know, down the road. So I think most coaches are, are open to it. And a lot of times that may be a conversation that I have with the head coach before the game on the field is, hey, we don't play each other again. We'd love to get our staff together and talk tomorrow if that's something you're interested in doing. And, they want the same information that we do. Jaheem Jaheim was saying that some of the reason he hasn't been on the field as much is what's been personnel and kind of what you guys are doing. I guess, just to clarify, I guess, what does that kind of mean on your guys' end as far as uh, <laughs> it's a quote-unquote personnel thing, I guess? What does that kind of mean in terms of why he maybe isn't getting his men on the field as much? To me, it's, uh, and, I'll, and I'll say this, Jaheim needs to be on the field more than what he was the other night. I met with Jaheim on Sunday. We had a great 30-minute conversation downstairs, and and I told him that, and that's on me. I'm the head coach. Um, so he absolutely needs to be on the field more than he has. And, uh, but, and I don't mean this in like a, a, a condescending way, but when you talk about personnel, we have five offensive linemen that are on the field on every single play. We have a quarterback that's on the field on every single play. And then we have, I'm assuming we all want Marshawn Lloyd on the field. I do. So what is that? That's seven players. Well, now you play every play on offense with 11 guys and so you can have on the field. So that leaves four guys. All right, great. Jaheem and Stog and Juice and Van. Okay, well, then people want to know why Juju's not out there. Why is On not out there? Why is Xavier Leggett not out there? Why is Jalen Brooks out there? Okay, well, let's go... Jaheem and A.B., Van, and Wells. Well, wait a minute. Why is Brooks not out there? Why is Stog not out there? So I mean that, and I don't mean that in a sarcastic way. It's just we got a lot of guys that when we're game planning each and every week, you look at the other team's defense and say, okay, if we're in 10 personnel, meaning one running back and four receivers, here's the coverages that we anticipate if we're in in the, the the defenses we anticipate, if we're in 12 personnel, one running back and, and two tight ends with two receivers, here's what we expect from the defense. If we're in 11, uh, the other night we did some uh, 20, or excuse me, we did some 13, meaning one running back and we had three tight ends on the field at one time, Jaheim being one of them. Here's what we expect in that. So you're trying to formulate your game plan. Okay, if we're in 10, 11, 12, whatever, here's what you can expect. And then you put, plays in and calls to um, um, to be able to take advantage of that from a schematic standpoint, if that makes sense. Having said that, we want to get our best players on the field. And sometimes you just say, forget what personnel grouping it is and what coverage you're expecting. We need to get this guy, this guy, this guy on the field and get them the ball. And and we do that every week. We haven't done a good enough job of it. I'll admit that. and um, And it starts with we've got to do a better job of – Sustaining drives, staying on the field, not being down seventeen nothing after eleven offensive plays like we were the other night, and not—I think I said it Sunday night—it's not like we threw the game plan out after going down seventeen nothing, but it—you—you—you're um, it, it, you, not able to get back to everything that you maybe had planned to, to, to get to, so. That's what it means. we got a lot of guys that we're trying to get the ball to. We have different things that we're calling personnel-wise to get the right people on the field to try and get the coverage or the defense that we want to try and be able to take advantage of it. And um, uh, But then also, it's the old saying, it's players, not plays. And regardless of what a defense is going to give you, let's get so-and-so on the field and, and get him his touches and get Marshawn his touches and Jaheem and Juice and,
1: and on and on and on gave me a headache listening to that about having all the different personnel groupings. I mean, I get it. I mean, he answered his own question after he went through all of that. He answered his own question. You got you to gotta get the best players on the field at the same time. And I think that's what is driving the Gamecock fans who are going crazy. I think that's what's driving them crazy. I mean, just get the best players that you've got on the field at the same time. I don't think that that's that difficult. Or that complex. Um, I mean, if you came out and you had, you had Bell you had a tight end, but he wasn't attached, let's say. You could split him out a little bit. And then who else would be your best? Wells and um, Brooks and, of course, Lloyd to be in the backfield. And then you got your five offensive linemen, your quarterback.
4: That's pretty much it right there, right? I can't help but think Dean was on to something earlier when he talked about blocking. Just needing to bring in a a tight end that doesn't really look to catch the ball as a sixth blocker.
1: Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll pick it back up tomorrow night here on Sports Talk.